What's up, everybody? Thank you for joining me. This is your girl, Mish, and you're listening to another installation of You're Not Crazy, where I just want to let you know that some of the crap you go through, other folks go through too. So sit back, get prepared for something different today. We are not talking about homeless people who have keys and cell phones, which I really think is crazy. Today, I'm going to come at you a different way. For some of you who know me for real, for real, you know I am a real estate broker. So I help people sell and buy houses and lease them. And I help people sell and buy commercial property and lease that too. So we're going to talk today about some of the crazy crap customers do when they are buying houses. So we're not talking about the sellers right now. We're just going in on buyers today. Sellers, I'm coming after you too in another episode, a future installation of You're Not Crazy. But for now... Buyers, my attention is all yours. Please understand that I'm going in, I'm coming after you, but it's all in love. It's all to help you actually get through this process a lot more effectively because some of the crap you guys do really slows down the process. And at the end of the day, you're not happy, but you don't realize you're the cause of it. So sit back, relax, get a notepad out. I promise it's quick. It'll be painless. It'll be a little fun, but it's going to be real. We'll be right back in just a few seconds with You're Not Crazy, the home buying edition. All right, let's do it. You're listening to You're Not Crazy, hosted by me, Mish, on the Anchor app. And um, let's go straight to it. There's just no time to delay here. There are five things that buyers typically do to piss off their real estate agents. The first thing on the top of my list is you simply call me to ask me to open a door. That's it. You didn't call to say, I would like to talk to you about representing me in my home buying transaction. You know, you didn't tell me that you had another real estate agent that you're already working with. You simply called me because you want me to open a door and not even multiple homes. There's just this one that you saw my sign happened to be in the yard and you just want me to open the door. Um, that would be a no. I'm not driving across town to open a door to one property. If I'm getting in the car, using up time, gas, energy, etc., and all of my resources to get the approvals done to open that door for you, that's going to happen because we're in a business relationship with each other. That is going to happen because you have signed something called a buyer's representation agreement. In short, I call it a BRA. And that BRA says that you and I are linked to one another so that when I put energy forward into doing things for you that only a real estate agent can, I'm going to be the one that benefits from all that work. Likewise, you are going to benefit from 20 years of experience, um, negotiating power, insight into the industry, into the property, and into the lending and appraising and inspecting of certain properties. But when you call me up and say, well, I just need to see this house. Can you just let me see this house? Um, I'm just calling because I want help looking at this house. In my mind, you're already just a looky-loo. I don't know who you are. Um, worse yet, without having signed that BRA, you could easily have me go look at this house, be interested in the home, Tell me that you're actually going to put an offer in and just before paperwork gets sent to you or hell, even after I bother to put it together, you come back and say something like, well, my aunt just got her license and so we're going to let her have this transaction. 
Now, do you see why we don't jump when people call and say, can you open this door for me? Now, that doesn't mean this doesn't happen ever. It happens sometimes when you're lucky enough to get a rookie. People who just got their licenses, people who are desperate for any kind of interaction that might lead to a transaction. So I'm going to give you a little secret, little hint. Best thing you can do is see if you can find someone who is newer in the business. When you call a 20 year seasoned veteran, you're not going to have much luck having someone simply open the door. And again, if you have a real estate agent you're already working with, I'm not stepping on that person's toes. I'm not getting involved. You have someone representing you. That person needs to get up and go open that door. If you don't have an agent, again, you're going to need to sign something that says we're committed to one another. Um, other than that, good luck with that. But that is the kind of thing that's just insulting. That really, really just hacks me off as a real estate agent and a professional. I'm worth much more than the key I've got on my key ring. Anyway, I'll be back with number two. You're going to really want to stick around all the way through number five. One more time, you are listening to You're Not Crazy, hosted by Mish, that's me, using the Anchor app. Be right back. <laughs> I had to put that dreaded sound in there because we are about to dun, 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 go in on the money. Forgive me, I tried to sing. Anyway, so, okay, we're still talking about things people do to piss off their real estate agents, and we are on number two now. Number two is you have no money. This happens in two ways. Number one, you don't have any cash on hand. It does take cash to buy a house. It's not all about the loan. And number two, you don't have an approval. That's the other way you wouldn't have money. So... You don't have a pre-approval to buy a home, which means there's not a piece of paper in place from a lender that says, um, we're going to give you an FHA loan. You qualify for a conventional loan. Oh, you've got this line of credit because you're an investor. Um, you don't have pre-approval. So how do I know you're even qualified to buy the house? Worse yet, how does the seller know you are qualified to buy this house? They don't. Uh, you've got nothing. So you got to get to a lender. You got to have proof that you've got some money, that you're a viable person. As a matter of fact, at least in the city that I'm in, I'm in Houston. Um, and with Hurricane Harvey just rolling through here and wiping out a nice portion of our inventory, um, people are like, look, we're not ready to just waste time and work with people we don't know can qualify to buy the house. I want to sell this thing and move on to my new home or whatever it is. We just need to know you've got the money for it, period. And so people aren't even allowing folks to tour the home unless a pre-approval is in place. Like you, you cannot come see it unless they know you're pre-approved to be shopping in the first place. That goes back just a little bit to number one. Remember all that looky-loo stuff? Honey, we ain't got time for it. So if you thought I was playing, the sellers are on board with that too in their own little way. Now let's get back to that cash thing that I mentioned first. Here's what's up with that. The reason the cash is necessary is for a few things. Number one, you're going to need to put down, at least in my market in the Houston area, something called um, earnest money. That's like a little money that goes towards the home purchase. You're not going to lose it 
if your realtor works within a certain timeline, that money will go back to you if things don't work out. But if that timeline is not adhered to, you can lose it. So don't get me wrong. But that earnest money um, goes down. It says, I'm serious. I really do want this house. Sometimes it's like 1% of the transaction. So if you're buying like a house for $200,000, you'd put $2,000 down. Um, the other thing that you're going to put down, at least in my neck of the woods, is your termination option money. That's money that you give to the seller outright. You're not ever going to get that back. Uh, that says, I want a certain amount of time, somewhere between 10 and uh, or seven and 10 days to change my mind for no reason. I just want to change my mind because I want to change my mind. I want to change my mind because we conducted inspections and this thing is way too off for me to even purchase it. The repairs are going to be too much. Never mind. I changed my mind. And this option money, this termination option money is like your get out of jail free card. But that could be anywhere from, you know, a hundred to $200 cash money. Gotta go. It's out of here. The other money you're going to spend up front is going to be, um, for the inspection in my, in my, you know, neck of the woods, that could be anywhere from 350 to $500, just depending on the size of the house. And then, you know, if you get so far in the process, you're going to lose money on the appraisal. We'll have to talk about that another time. It's not actually cash, cash, cash out of your pocket. But if certain things go haywire, you will have to pay that out of your pocket. But I digress. If you don't have any money, then don't start the process. The other thing I like for my clients to do is have cash in hand. When you finally do buy the house and it's all done and we're all gone and we've gone our separate ways, you'd be amazed at what you forgot you needed when you got in the house, you know, curtains and all kinds of basic stuff. And so having cash and not leaving yourself strapped after the process is completed and you bought your house is really what I like to see in my clients. So you've got to have cash and you've got to have pre-approvals for your loan before we even get started. If you want to get started and you don't have any of that, uh, guess what? Yeah, you pissed off your real estate agent. Anyway, so get your money together and then get your butt right back here in just a few seconds. We're going in on number three. This is You're Not Crazy and I'm Mish. Time for number three. I'm having a good time sharing this with you guys. You have no idea how cathartic this is. I am a real estate broker. I own my own brokerage and I also own a real estate school, which is why I like to teach people stuff. But you have no idea how good it feels to tell people. Sometimes you piss us off. We don't do that when we're in the middle of a transaction, but you know, sometimes we'd like to shit. We'd like to go in and choke the hell out of some of you. Love you to death, really do. You're our life bread. You're the reason why we can make money and live our lives. But there's some stuff you all come with. The shenanigans sometimes are just insane. So shenanigan number three, lowballing. Right now, at least again in my market, I'm in Houston, Texas. You cannot lowball everything. This is it, again where I live right now. Now is the time. Now isn't the time. I mentioned earlier, Hurricane Harvey came up and through here and wiped out a lot of inventory. So we're a little short in some parts of town on inventory, which means, you know, we don't have as many homes available as we'd like to have to sell, which puts the power where? In the hands of the seller. 
which means Mr. and Mrs. Buyer or Mr. or Ms. Buyer, you cannot roll up in there, see this magnificent house with all the latest and greatest features and then come in $10,000 under asking. Excuse you? Let me tell you something. I have had clients who were friends who did this and I love my friends and I love my clients. But after one of these lowball offers, I'm upset. Second time you want a lowball and the thing doesn't go through and you're still coming at me on a third time saying I want a lowball, you're being terminated as my client. Don't think I won't. I do. I have. I have terminated clients before for not falling in line with what I've told them is going to happen in this market. Here's the thing I have to remind people. They'll say, well, this is my home. This is important to me. You know, this is costing me a lot of money. And I'm like, well, this is my job. This is my paycheck. This is important to me as well. But you got to pick up when I'm putting down. I do this several times a month. You do this twice, maybe three times in a lifetime. So you trying to tell me what you know, um, that's not going to hold much weight with me. It's not going to get you very far with me. So with all that said, stop it with the lowballing. Here's how this works, not works rather, in your favor. This is how this jacks you up. You're going to go out there, go shopping. The market is competitive. You've seen at least, I don't know, seven, eight houses. You finally find the one you love and you decide, hey, I want to put in an offer on it. This is the one. My wife's happy. I like this. There's, there's things we can do in the future in this home. Then you lowball and you lose it to someone else. The seller is not even going to accept um, an increased offer. They're not going to give you a counter offer. You lost it because someone offered a little bit above asking or even just at the asking price. Then no other home you're ever going to see after that is going to compare to the one that got away. You ain't going to be happy for nothing. Everything you want in the future is going to be compared to that one that you didn't get. So now we just find some shit. We just want to just, well, we'll just, I'll just take it shit. It ain't what I want, but damn it, I'll take it. So we're settling now. As your real estate professional, do I sound like I want to sell you some shit you settling on? That doesn't make me happy. I want to sell you something you want to live in. And, and raise a family in or be a single fabulous woman in or whatever. I want you to be happy in your house, not settling on some shit because the one that got away, nothing compares to. So buyers, don't set yourself up like that. If you're going in, go in. There's a phrase we use. It's called highest and best. When you put in your offer, you put in your highest and best because you may not have a chance to come back with better. If we're telling you in a certain you know, market, wherever you are, Topeka, Kansas or whatever, that you don't have time to play because the market cannot withstand you playing these games, then your best bet is don't play the game. Just don't. I love my buyers. I love my clients. And I love those who listen to me. Makes life easier and I can get you in the home you want. Be right back. We got a couple more to go. And here we are at number four on our list of things buyers do to piss off their real estate agents. This is your girl, Mish. You're listening to You're Not Crazy, the show dedicated to letting you know the shit you go through is the shit everybody else is going through, too, because 
I'm going through it. So right now I'm coming at you as the real estate broker that I am. I'm based in Houston, Texas. And so all of what I'm talking about today applies to my own little corner of the world. So things may be a little bit different in your corner, but I'm coming at you from what I know. And what I know is um, I'm keeping it as general as possible. But here we go. Number four, the other thing that buyers are doing to piss me off, they're buying shit before we close. Look, you have a certain financial picture in place. That financial picture is the one that your lender used to qualify you to get this loan. VA loan, FHA, conventional, whatever it is you got. That financial picture has to stay intact, untouched, untarnished until closing and funding. Funding means not only did you sign the papers, that's the closing part, but the funding means the bank actually sent the money over to the title company to disperse to the person who sold the house to you or to send to their lender so you can pay off their loan, etc. cetera. Um, some of that money, money comes over for my commission. So until it is funded, it is not done. But some of you feel like on closing day, it won't matter if you go buy a refrigerator. No one's gonna care if you go get a washer and dryer. Let me tell you something. I don't give a flying fig what it is you think you need. You don't buy things on closing day. Don't give a damn. One hour before, you'd be surprised. Some of these lenders will pull your credit last second before funding the loan. So what you're not gonna do is refi the car. You're not gonna buy appliances, furniture. I even have to tell clients during the holidays, go get the Christmas gifts now. Because if you take a certain amount of money out of the bank and you're, you know, you're a high-end giver for Christmas, um, that money cannot just be coming out of the account all willy-nilly. So go pull it out now. Same thing for people who have kids, birthday parties and things coming up and you wanna spend a lot of money on a gift, like if you have teenagers or whatnot. Let me tell you now, go get that stuff early before we get into this process. Because if you start pulling out money and the lender's like, hey, what's this for? Is this a normal expense for you? Or is this not normal? But you don't want to alter your financial picture too much. So again, I warn people, if there are things that you have to buy that are kind of out of the ordinary, go get them now and then let's go get you qualified. But once we're in this process and you have a piece of paper from a lender, a loan officer that says you're qualified to get this much money from us, don't change your financial picture. Don't go buying shit. And that means up until the last damn minute, calm your ass down, go to the title company, sit down, enjoy the process, sign these papers, get your keys and your remote controls and whatnot from the seller, you know, go to the new home community and get whatever it is you're gonna get from their offices and go through the process without being stopped dead in your tracks. Think it doesn't happen? Ask enough realtors. You'll find some who will tell you that they have had transactions blow up at the table because somebody went and bought something. I hear people say, oh, well, I just pulled out some cash. It's not on my credit card. It doesn't matter. They'll notice changes. Don't do it. So you want to screw up your transaction? Go buy you something. You'll have a refrigerator and no home to put it in. You'll have a great new washer and dryer. No damn place to put it. Don't take the chance. You can wait another day until it's time to get in there. So 
Stop buying shit when you're trying to buy a house. It's just that simple. I don't know how to make it any plainer. Don't buy shit if you're trying to buy a house. Unless you're a wealthy person who qualifies for a conventional loan, you've got lots and loads of cash and your lender says, hey, you know what, you're fine, you can withstand this. Just don't do it. You can wait. You can wait, trust me. So I'll be right back with um, item number five. And thanks again for listening to the Anchor app. This is You're Not Crazy with your host, Mish. We have finally arrived at number five. Thank you so much for sticking around through items one through four. I know it's a lot. I really do love you guys. I really do love my buyers. But again, there's just some stuff you all do that just chaps our butts. It's kind of like you love your kids. You just don't always like them. This is one of those times. So with all that said, let's hit number five. It's probably one of the worst things you can do in the whole transaction. And that is, is there a drum roll around here or something somewhere? Anyway, asking me for a piece of my commission. Do I go to your job at the bank and ask you for a piece of your paycheck for dispensing my money? Do I ask for some of your paycheck when I show up at the department store asking for help selecting some perfume? Do I go to your office and ask you for a piece of your money for doing what you get paid to do? No, I don't. And if I did, you'd look at me like I'm crazy, which is why some people like myself who've been in the business long enough are going to look at you like you crazy for asking me for a piece of my damn money. I earn every cent I get. What you all probably fail to realize, at least in the Texas area, is that, you know, we get paid and the taxes don't come out. So a nice chunk of that doesn't even belong to us. We have to get taxed on it. So you're going to see a pre-tax number. It's kind of like your paycheck. You've seen your paycheck. That pre-tax number is gorgeous. But after FICA and all everybody else gets their hands up and through there, um, Social Security taxes come out. You know, all that stuff comes out of there. Um, yeah, we got about as much left as you have left. And so asking for any piece of that is just really a huge insult. Now, let me just give you some situations here. People like me, we earn our money. Here's the kind of crap you don't understand that happens. And sometimes it's just hard to tell it's gonna happen. But I've had people die in the middle of a transaction. So now we've got to go to probate court. You know, somebody might have died intestate, which means they died without a will. So now we've got to have people sign off their rights to the house. They didn't even know they had rights to it, but now we've got to go through attorneys and get people to sign things off. You know, we've had negotiations go sideways on repairs. Repairs weren't complete. I even was selling a house to a lady and we found out that the man who owned it was in jail. So now we got to deal with the jailers praying that they get paperwork to the inmate quickly enough and bother to mail it back to us in a timely enough fashion to close the sale within the contract period. And this particular guy was in jail. He's not my client, so I'm legally able to tell you. Um, this person was in jail for molesting children. I say children, I mean teenagers, but that's still a child. And his mother was the one who was selling the house. We had to get permission from him to let her be doing this in the first place. On top of that, she was trying to sell the furniture, some of which included the master bedroom bed. Uh, 
No, lady, and get this stuff out of here. There's so much that goes on that we have to help you through. This is not some paper pushing situation. I've got agents that work in my brokerage now that are dealing with airship issues. And when I say airship, I mean H-E-I-R, like who is the heir to certain property after a person passes away. And now this heir is being a bit greedy, not realizing the offer that they're being given is coming out of the client's pocket, not off the proceeds of the house because there's nothing left on the sale after paying off a delinquent loan, but she's being greedy. So now we all got to go to court to force her hand to sign some paperwork. She would have been better off signing at the original offer. I guess what I'm saying is don't ask for money back. You'd be surprised. Uh, there are times when I will offer to pay for, um, a home warranty plan. That way your repairs can be taken care of. But let me make the offer. Don't come at me looking at me like I'm gonna give you something. Don't, because you know what? I'd be I'd be arrogant enough to show up at your job and ask you for some of yours. You wouldn't like it. And you all have no idea what that sounds like and how off-putting it is for someone to come at you asking for your money. You have no idea what people have going on at home and how much of that money they may need for surgery or for children or for medicine or for food or their own mortgages. So with all that said, respect your agent and stop asking for their hard-earned money. Let them at least offer it to you first. Oh, that felt great. That was cathartic. That felt good. I've spoken my piece. And hopefully you all are educated just a little bit more about what not to do in your home buying process, at least not in Texas. I don't know what they let you get away with in other states, but around these parts, don't try it. Anyway, thank you for sticking around. This is um, You're Not Crazy. I'm your host, Mish. You've been listening to this uh, episode of our podcast on the Anchor app. And if uh, you have aspirations to do your own podcast, this is the most awesome, incredible app ever in the history of apps. Um, if you like the sound quality, understand something. I am doing this strictly with a cell phone. I am not um, in front of a microphone. I don't have a mixing board in front of me. I don't have thousands of dollars equipment in front of me. This app is freaking awesome. Um, sure, you can go buy all that stuff if you want to. That's on you, honey. I don't care what you do with your money. But this is just my little gift for those of you who aspire to have a podcast and put it out there. This uh, app will also put your podcast on uh, Google and iTunes for you. So it just totally rocks and it lets you share on, across your social media accounts. You can share via email or your um text messaging. It's pretty fantastic. So again, if you've got aspirations to have a podcast or just try it out and see if you like podcasting at all, the Anchor app is fantastic. But again, thank you for checking me out. I always appreciate people who listen and call in and write back and hand clap in the middle of my um, my little podcast. So thank you so much for that love. And um, I don't know when I'm going to come back. I try to do this once a week. You know, I'm going to get it in when I get it in, when I'm motivated to say some shit. You know, when some crazy shit happens, that's when the podcast goes out. So we're just waiting for the next crazy thing that life throws me. And trust me, we'll be talking about it right here. In the meantime, if you've got suggestions about crazy shit, let me know. We can talk about it together. Anyway, y'all have an awesome week, a fantastic day. Be blessed and 
I'll talk to you soon. I'm out.